Okay, three, two, one. Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon, whatever it is for you. I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 341. Welcome in. Uh, very excited. We'll talk about NFL free agency today. We'll talk about the Patriots. We'll talk about uh, Washington. They got their new quarterback, in my opinion. We'll talk about Andy Dalton. Ton of news going on. We will end with a very, very healthy segment of Ask Zach. Uh, I got to point out, I'm wearing probably the most, geez, like the most dad shirt I've ever worn on the podcast. Just a gray button up. I'm turning. I'm, I'm, I'm getting old. On the on the 16th, it was my birthday. I turned 24 years old. Uh, I bought a Vitamix. I was very excited about it. It's a blender, and I was so excited. I mean, I've made like soups and like juice, and I'm like so excited about it. I have officially accepted I'm an old person. Except I don't sleep, which old people I hear sleep, and I never I never do sleep. So I don't know. I got a wedding ring. I got a new one. Uh, the other one was like too big. It kept falling off while I was doing dishes. Another sign that you're an old person, I guess. So I got a new one, a silver one, fifteen dollars cheaper, by the way. So when I exchanged it, they paid me to get a cheaper ring. It was really wonderful. Uh, and, and for my advice out there, guys, uh, the ladies' ring is very expensive. It's lots. The guys' ring, like a fraction of the cost. It's wonderful. There's no diamonds on it. It's just a cheap piece of metal. Uh, really, really great. In fact, I know people who have just a silicon, like it's like a plastic stretchy ring. And, and that's what they work because they're like, they work uh, in HVAC, so that's what they use. And kind of want to get caught on something. That's if you want to really cheap out. That's the way to do it. So if you're worried about money and you're buying a wedding ring, get the girl an expensive ring. Buy yourself nothing. It's just a cheap, crappy little ring because it it looks the same. I don't know. I'm happy. I'm very. I'm very. I don't want to get an expensive ring because if I break it, I would feel horrible. Like if I lose it, I'm like, oh my gosh. So uh, I just a uh, little advice, guys. Take heart in the fact that your ring, like the guy's ring, which I think. I, is a girl supposed to buy it? I don't I don't really know. I bought my own. It's really cheap and it feels great. Let's jump in. After I've done my my super annoying dad tangents. Let's talk about the Patriots. Um the the Patriots grabbed everybody's attention by making move after move after move after move. Like we were watching it up of Agency going, how many people are gonna bring in? It's kind of unbelievable how many starters they've added. And so I count they added 10 players that I think are very, very significant to their team next year. In fact, I would say pretty clearly the Patriots are back. And a lot of people saw this coming, uh, you know, but they are going to be a force in the NFL next year. Here's my list, my nerdy list of the 10 players, the top 10 players they added that are very significant to their roster next year. The first two are massive. Uh, it will reshape the entire Patriots offense. They added two tight ends, John Lee Smith and Hunter Henry. So John Lee Smith signed from Tennessee. He signed a four-year deal worth up to $50 million. Uh, that's $31.25 million guaranteed. And uh, he's only 24 years old. So that's that's a really gigantic marquee franchise player. He cited the reason why he came to New England is because he loves Bill Belichick. He's got great respect for him. And I want to point out, of all the everybody I'm about to talk about, they chose to be in New England. Bill Belichick got his kind of guys who sought out New England, wanted to be there, and wanted to work hard and win a Super Bowl. I think that matters. It's very, very exciting. These are not Josh Gordons or uh, what's the other example? Uh, Philip Dorsett, who they made a move for, and they're not really like that. You think they fit, but they don't work out. No, these are guys who all chose to be in New England, who wanted to win a Super Bowl, 
and everybody wants to win a Super Bowl. These guys went out of their way to be in New England. Now, the other tight end they brought in was 26-year-old tight end Hunter Henry from the L.A. Chargers. He got a three-year deal, $25 million guaranteed. It's worth up to $37.5 million total if he meets all his incentives. Uh, They also added two wide receivers. The Patriots brought in Nelson Aguilar. uh, He got a two-year, $26 million contract. He's 27 years old. Now, a lot of people do not like this move, and I I get it. Nelson Aguilar is not uh, the most flashy player in the NFL. But I think he fits very well with Cam Newton. He's good at he's good at going up and getting the ball. He's got good hands. Uh, did some stuff with the Raiders that I think deserves your attention. Go watch what he did uh, with the Raiders. And I just I'm like, huh, a lot of good plays. Okay, I understand. I see the potential Bill Belichick and the Patriots would see in Nelson Aguilar and go, we'll give that guy a good contract, especially considering the Patriots have like are desolate at wide receiver. They need help. They got Julian Edelman, who is awesome, but he can't do everything by himself from the slot. They have Nikhil Harry, who... Nikhil Harry, I I think he's going to pop. I think he's going to progress and keep getting better. But he's not a number one right now. So on top of that, the Patriots also added Kendrick Bourne. Guy from my local area, actually went to Eastern Washington University. uh, 25 years old. Uh, He's coming from the San Francisco 49ers. He got a three-year deal uh, worth... $22.5 $22.5 million. Uh, now, another thing the Patriots did, they also added, uh, they signed center Ted Karras, uh, and they traded for tackle Trent Brown. So this is the new Patriots offense right now. They have receivers Nelson Aguilar, uh, Julian Edelman, Kendrick Bourne, and Akil Harris. It's Aguilar. Aguilar, I'm doing my best. It's a hard name to say. Um, they also have Sony Michelle at running back. So 40 receivers, Sony Michelle at running back, an improved offensive line, Cam Newton at quarterback, who I, I get why people doubt Cam. He's a former NFL MVP. And with when you put Cam's talent with a lot of weapons, including two outstanding tight ends, Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith. I man, I'll tell you what. I look at the Patriots offense and think two things immediately. Number one. Everything is going to run through their brand new tight ends. Their entire offense now is probably going to drive down the seams of the field right up the middle. Uh, they're going to use our tight ends heavily, a lot of play action. Again, I, I expect st- scheme-wise, things will look a lot like the Patriots did back in the day when they had Gronk and Aaron Hernandez together, two star tight ends. Now, number two, I feel very, very confident with Cam Newton as the Patriots quarterback. And it surprised me, but I want to remind you that two years ago, Tom Brady was the Patriots starting quarterback and did basically nothing. And the reason was there were no weapons there. He, he kept running at the same brick wall. His receivers weren't good enough. So how can, I, I think you and I would both agree, I like Cam Newton. Tom Brady's a better quarterback than Cam Newton. So my point is, if Tom Brady couldn't make it work with New England's roster, how was Cam Newton supposed to succeed? He was set up to fail. Well, now Cam Newton's being given weapons. He's being set up to do well. I'm excited, man. He's a former NFL MVP. He's hungry. And I personally believe Cam Newton's going to have an awesome year. And he really is going to make, he signed a one-year deal with like, it was like three and a half million dollars with a bunch of incentives. I honestly think we're going to look back at Cam Newton's contract at the end of next year and go, can you believe the deal they got on Cam Newton? He played so well for no money. I really think he's, he's a guy who, Cam didn't play well enough last year to earn a new gigantic contract. So he's going to have to show what he can do this uh, this year. 
and maybe earn more money next year. But I, I think Cam is poised to do very, very well and make himself a lot of money and win a lot of games in New England. Now, offense is one thing, but on defense, they also really, really improved their team. So on this side of the ball, first of all, they signed linebacker Matthew Judon uh, from Baltimore. Judon got a four-year deal worth, uh, well, first of all, $32 million guaranteed, worth up to, if he hits all his incentives, $56 million. Matthew Judon is 28 years old. That's awesome. Uh, New England brought in safety Jalen Mills from the Philadelphia Eagles. He got a four-year deal, $24 million, $9 million guaranteed, plus on top of that, uh, a $2.5 million signing bonus. Jalen Mills, 26 years old. They brought in a bunch of people that are in the prime of their career. Two-star tight ends, prime of their career. Matthew Judon has got some wheel, a lot of years left. Uh, you know, <laughs> Jalen Mills just hitting the prime of his career. Like, this is a really sustainable group of people that the Patriots brought in, even if it only lasts three years. I would, I would imagine, because most people in the NFL do not stay their entire contract. Eventually, they run out of use and people cut them. But for the next two, three years, the Patriots got a lot of starters in this free agency class. They're going to make their team way better and a lot of starters. They also brought back linebacker Kyle Van Noy. He got a two-year, $12 million deal. He's 29 years old. Uh, Miami signed him last year. They had a, a, a good year, then they cut him. They realized it wasn't worth the money they gave him. So he's at probably nearing the tail end of his career, but he's still got a lot of good football ahead of him. And for you know $6 million bucks a year... A starting linebacker, that's a good deal. Based on what he can do for that price, good for the Patriots. And then finally, number 10, they signed linebacker Devon Godshow, uh, who is uh, he's from Miami, came from the Dolphins, uh, actually went to LSU. He's from Louisiana. He played at Louisiana State, then he went to I guess, LSU, then he went to Miami for, with the Dolphins. He got a two-year, $16 million contract to play with the Patriots. Uh, he's also 26 years old. Another guy in the prime years of his career. So, Look, there are a ton of players poised to be starting players for the Patriots. And uh, they went, all went to New England because they're all in on winning football games. They want to win a Super Bowl. And it's, it's not really a surprise this happened. The Patriots had the third most amount of salary cap available in the entire NFL. And when you compare, so the Jaguars and the Jets had the top two most amount of money available. But if you could go to New England, the Jets, or the Jaguars... Which one of those three has a history of winning and winning a lot? It's the Patriots. They have won uh, so many Super Bowls. Bill Belichick's got respect, and that's why people went there. People wanted to go play for Bill Belichick because of his reputation. Now, uh, Tom Brady and Bill Belichick won not one, not two, not even five, but six total Super Bowls together. And one of the narratives over the course of their long run together, one of the more stupid narratives people kept bringing up was the question like, hmm, who is more important in this franchise? Is, is the quarterback Tom Brady more important or is the coach Bill Belichick more important? So Tom Brady just won a Super Bowl without Bill Belichick in Tampa Bay. And in my opinion, it is now... Bill Belichick's turn to show, hey, I can do it without Brady. I'm going to win myself a Super Bowl. Uh, the reality is it was never the debate between, is it Bill or is it Brady? It was always both of them. It, the reality is the Patriots were a, they brought together an elite quarterback and an elite coach, which is a very rare thing. 
it wasn't one or the other being more influential than the other. They both made it work together. Uh, and because they're elite people, elite coach and elite quarterback on their own, they are still capable. Clearly Brady was of winning a Super Bowl. And look at what Bill Belichick just did. The people he brought in, the team they're building there, people want to play for him. His influence of what he's done in the past has allowed him to build a gigantic team. And his plan of, frankly, like, let's say what happened. This is, this is the reality of what happened to the Patriots. The Patriots last year coasted. They weren't in a hurry to win a lot of games. They were trying to get, you know, cut a lot of people, have people sit out, save a lot of money, prepare to have a gigantic amount of money available to spend in free agency this year. Last year, bought Belichick time to build this roster they have now. This was always the plan. Uh, we were all kind of waiting and speculating, but it's very exciting to me. And uh, what, what I think of when I look at this Patriots team now is that, and it, this is really fun. Bill Belichick and the Patriots are in the AFC. Tom Brady and the Buccaneers are in the NFC. They're both going to have good teams. So I think it's very possible we could have a Tom Brady versus Bill Belichick Super Bowl, the Buccaneers versus the Patriots. And how incredibly fun would that be? I don't care who wins. I think it'd be fun. Brady versus Belichick. The, like people have always hated for years the Patriots. Like, I am so sick of the Patriots in the Super Bowl. Now imagine the Patriots get back and without Tom Brady, and yet they still have Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. It'd be hilarious. Really fun, really funny to me. And um, I'm just excited to watch the Patriots next year. It's a fun story. No matter what happens, it's the return of New England, the return slash revenge of Bill Belichick, the redemption of Cam Newton trying to prove himself and show that he's still got something left in the tank. Uh, no matter what happens, the Patriots will be incredibly interesting and incredibly compelling next year. And I cannot wait to watch. It's going to be so much fun. Uh, let's shift gears to Washington. The Washington football team made two moves that uh, I think were really, really big. Number one, they signed a quarterback, Ryan Fitzpatrick, to a one-year $10 million deal, plus I think two, yeah, two more million dollars worth of incentive. So it basically a one-year $12 million deal if he does everything uh, and gets the full value out of his contract. Washington also added receiver Curtis Samuel. They gave him a three-year, $34.5 million dollar contract. Uh, Curtis Samuel's awesome. He's 24 years old. He is a super versatile receiver. And when you watch Carolina last year, they used Curtis. I mean, Christian McCaffrey got hurt. They put Curtis Samuel in the backfield. He literally ran the ball up the middle like a running back. He caught passes. He did everything for Carolina. And uh, this is a guy that Washington can put in their offense and just move around all over the place, have a lot of fun with. Uh, part. I think it's pretty clear part of why he went to Carolina. Look, the money was great. He's also reuniting with his old coaches from Carolina. He played for Ron Rivera and Scott Turner in Carolina uh, previously before they got fired and uh, pushed out for Matt Rule, the new coach in Carolina. Uh, now, another fun storyline here is that Curtis Samuel and Terry McLaurin, Terry McLaurin, the current Washington star receiver, they're good friends. They played together at Ohio State in college. Uh, they're going to be a really fun pair to watch together the way they, you know, Terry can really stretch the field. Uh, I think, man, I, I want to see a, a lot of concepts where you have Terry McLaurin running vertical and Curtis Samuel coming underneath. So wh what does the safety do? Does the safety commit to running vertical with Terry McLaurin or do you got to – how do you play it? It's really tough. I think it's going to be interesting to watch a lot of high-low concepts uh, downfield vertically with those two. Um, and uh, now I did not expect Washington to sign quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick. I just – I did not see that coming. Uh, could not have – did not expect it, but I love it. 
it's a solution I just could not have predicted and I really hadn't thought of. But once it happened, I went, huh, Ryan Fitzpatrick's actually an oddly perfect solution to their quarterback problem. So I really do not believe that Washington's going to add another quarterback. A lot of people are like, are they going to draft a quarterback? This or that. They don't really have a great draft pick spot to move up. I mean, they could draft a guy like Kellen Mond or something from Texas A&M. But I think, honestly, Washington's starter is either going to be Ryan Fitzpatrick or Taylor Henneke. And they're just going to say, we got this year. We got a really good team. We got a good defense. We're well coached. And uh, we need a quarterback who can control the ball and uh, put up some points and play well enough for us to win. But we don't need a lot from our quarterback. And uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick is 38 years old. Sounds old, I guess. But for context, remember, Drew Brees just retired at 42. Quarterbacks are playing longer than ever before. So the age for Ryan Fitzpatrick doesn't really scare me at all. And, I mean, Fitz, you watch him play. The guy's still got good football left. Washington, again, they play great defense. They're well coached. Uh, they've got two, they got a couple good players. They got Logan Thomas at tight end. They got Curtis Samuel at receiver. Uh, they also now have Terry, you know, they have Terry McLaurin at receiver. They pair very, very well with Ryan Fitzpatrick. And they don't need a lot from Fitz. They, they play good defense. They need a quarterback to take care of the ball, do good enough for them to win, but not, they don't need Ryan Fitzpatrick to carry their team. And so I look at this and go, expectations are low. It's going to work very, very well. Ryan Fitzpatrick, I think Washington found their quarterback with this guy. You can say what you want about, we'll see what Taylor Henneke can do. Uh, Maybe they make a move in the draft. But if I'm Washington, I go, look, we got one more year uh, with some, you know, maybe not our favorite franchise quarterbacks, but a guy who's good enough. Let's use our draft pick to build our team even more. Double down on, we're a team with a great roster, an okay quarterback, and a really good defense. And let's just be well coached, play fundamentally sound football, rely on our veteran presence. And I I am telling you, I really think the quarterback for Washington next year is going to be Ryan Fitzpatrick. Okay, um, let me shift gears to Chicago. Oh boy, Uh, this is a very weird story. The Chicago Bears signed quarterback Andy Dalton. They gave him a one-year, $10 million deal. Uh, That's a $7 million signing bonus and a $3 million salary. And they told Andy, hey, Andy Dalton, you are our starting quarterback next year. (sighs) I know, man. Um, Really what it shows to me is how desperate Chicago is for a quarterback. They'll do anything. They're like, please, please, we just need somebody who can play the position. Uh, they could not make a trade happen. They'd missed out on a couple quarterbacks. And Chicago's got the 20th overall pick. They do not have a great draft pick for picking a quarterback in the first round. It's likely they're going to miss out on all the top quarterbacks. So Chicago is in a, in fairness to them, uh, Chicago had their hands tied. There wasn't a lot they could do. But here's what makes me really, really sad about this move. I can't actually tell whether or not Chicago got better at quarterback. I I think, I'm pretty sure Andy Dalton is better than Mitchell Trubisky. But Mitchell Trubisky was at least very mobile and could move around. I mean, I I hated Trubisky. Like, do not get me wrong. He drove me nuts. But he could run around. He could extend plays a little bit. He could run the zone read. Andy Dalton is limited mobile, has limited mobility, has a pretty weak arm. You're going to Chicago. Have you ever been to Chicago? I have. It's cold. It's very, very cold. And it's windy. And it's not 
it's not friendly to a quarterback who's got a weaker arm when you're playing in November and December. It's I know it's a cliche, but it's true. You don't want a quarterback with a weaker arm in a northern division. It's just not it's not a smart move. Like it's it's a bad idea. And the fact that again, Andy Dalton is probably better than Mitchell Trubisky, but I had to hesitate. I was like, is he? Huh. That's awful. That's a problem. That Chicago didn't obviously and clearly upgrade. And that's very sad. And I, again, I want to be clear. I'm not angry at Chicago. I don't blame them. Their hands were tied. I mean, they couldn't make a trade happen. They have no really good trade capital. They've got no, their draft pick is pretty bad if you want to get a starting quarterback. So there was nobody, Chicago had no options, but ah, Andy Dalton is depressing. Like that's, that's your best move. And I, I get it. Like Chicago had to do something. They couldn't bring back Trubisky. That would have been the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. So they're like, we got to make a change to some degree. But I don't know how much better Andy Dalton is than Trubisky. And I hope it's great. I, I, I actually weirdly believe in Matt Nagy. Everybody hates on Matt Nagy, and I get it. But Chicago's an angry city, and uh, if you don't win, it's always the coach's fault. But I, Matt Nagy's had some moments with really good play design where Trubisky just could not hit people wide open. Uh, maybe Andy Dalton completes those throws where he's, he's a veteran presence who is at least capable of, you know, hitting wide open receivers and pulling the trigger on guys open vertically. I don't know, but it's like, ah, just sad to me. And, and I, it feels to me, you know, the bears are in quarterback hell. They're, They're in a situation where it's really bad and I don't know what they can do to save it. I mean, they could maybe trade for Sam Darnold if the jets are willing to part ways with Sam Darnold. Uh, maybe Gardner Minshew, but Gardner Minshew, I love Gardner. I want to see Gardner play in warm weather. He's got a weaker arm as well. So maybe Andy Dalton maybe is a better decision maker. Maybe than Gardner Minshew. It's, it's really not good. So I I don't know what Chicago can do quite frankly, uh, unless they make a trade for a quarterback who, um, I mean, it's so bad. They're not going to get Jordan love. They're in the same division as green Bay. Maybe someday Aaron Rodgers leaves green Bay and goes there. But I, uh, I feel very, very sad for the Chicago Bears, for their fans, for their franchise, for their, their general manager. Like I, he's been trying to, you know, the guy there in Chicago has been trying to get very, very creative and there's just nothing he can do. I mean, I, you could not make a trade happen for the, to save your life. And he's trying, he's trying to save his career. So I, I hope for their sake that Chicago can figure something out, a better situation at quarterback than simply putting Andy Dalton out there next year. Uh, but right now, it looks like that is going to be their quarterback, and that's it's incredibly sad. All right, guys, I'm going to take a short break. When I return, we'll talk about some more free agent news, and we'll do a, a really fun Ask Zach segment with a little bit of basketball, actually. Mostly me just being snarky, but <laughs> that's, that's every episode. Uh, not true. I, I try to be honest, but I, I feel very, uh, like, persnickety. Like, I'm like, ha what's up? I'll talk crap about James Harden. Bring it on. My name is Zach Schaumler. Going to take a short break. I will be right back. All right, we are back. Hope you're doing very, very well. Uh, let me give you a life update real quick. You know what I just did? I did a, a gargled apple cider vinegar, which is, God, that's got to be the most foul-smelling substance known to man. Like, that sauerkraut is, I, I used to think sauerkraut was, like, the worst thing in the world. No, it's... It's, I would rather, that sounds good. I, I'll like, I'll huff sauerkraut any day of the week. 
Then, and by the way, you eat sauerkraut, like on hot dogs and stuff. It's like a German thing. Uh, but as a kid, I had it, hated it. It's like rotten cabbage. It's so much better than apple cider vinegar. It's not even funny. Apple cider vinegar is disgusting. It's the worst substance known to man. Look it up. Uh, actually, don't. Just don't. Do yourself a favor. Never, ever end up smelling that. It's terrible. Uh, by the way, I'm on the diet, like the juice diet, where I am losing weight. I've lost five pounds. Uh, it's going very well, but I'm eating like literally just chicken broth and I make juices. I got a Vitamix, which I'm very excited about. It like makes everything really tiny and it's just easy to digest because I got a lot of digestive problems and acid reflux and yada yada. So, oh, long story short, um, don't be an adult. It's not fun. <laughs> um, I want to jump in and talk about some of the stuff that's going on NFL free agency. There's some news I have not yet covered. I want to start in Kansas City. And I was worried about the Kansas City Chiefs offensive line. And two of the moves they made recently helped to address their problem on the offensive line. They added Joe Tooney uh, with a five-year, $80 million deal. He's 28 years old, played in New England last. He's very, very versatile. I mean, you could literally put him on anywhere on the offensive line, uh, center, guard, tackle. No matter where you put him, he'll be great. He'll be very, very well. It's a big asset to... Uh, Kansas City, I would guess he's going to play tackle because that's where they pretty clearly have a need based on uh, cutting the people they did earlier in the offseason. They also added Kyle Long, who came out of retirement, took a year off uh, of football last year. I guess if you're going to take a year off of football, 2020 was the year probably to skip out on the pandemic and just be like, I'm, I'm hanging out at home, chilling. It was retirement for him, but he came back. He got a one-year, $5 million contract. And uh, these two big moves really do address their problem with Kansas City's offensive line. And I think it's going to help keep KC competitive. I'm very excited for them. Mahomes took a pay cut. A lot of people took a pay cut. Kansas City's really actively trying to keep their roster together. And when I look at the AFC, I go, man, Buffalo, New England, Kansas City. Like, there are a lot of teams in the AFC right now all vying to be that top team. And it's going to be a really, really fun playoff race in the AFC playoff picture. Now let's jump ahead to Jacksonville. Jacksonville, the Jaguars, added some solid players. They got 32-year-old receiver uh, Marvin Jones, very solid, got a two-year, $14 million deal. Not even in my notes. I just know that off the top of my head. Uh, Carlos Hyde signed a two-year, $6 million deal. It's a guy, he's 30 years old. Again, I just know that. Uh, very proud of that stuff. I, like, I really do my research. I don't even need notes for that kind of crap. Uh, he played for Urban Meyer at Ohio State. Uh, I don't really know what that does for Jacksonville, really, but they're, I mean, I'm sure they, they're happy to have a veteran presence who can catch the ball out of the backfield and do some okay stuff. They added receiver Philip Dorsett. He's 28 years old. He played previously. Two years ago, he was in New England. He was really bad, frustrating, ran the wrong routes, was a really pain in the butt to watch on film. And then last year, played for Seattle, but missed the entire season with a hurt foot. He actually had bone spurs which look it up. It's a horrible thing to have in your foot. And uh, I will say the Jaguars are pumped because Philip Dorsett is a former first round pick. He's been a complete disappointment in his career, but he's very fast. He's like incredibly speedy. And I, I would, I would like to see Philip Dorsett find a way to succeed in the NFL. He keeps getting opportunity after opportunity because of his speed. This feels like his last stop. If he doesn't make it work here, people are going to go, look, you're fast, but you can't play football. So uh, I am very, very fascinated. How can the Jaguars utilize Philip Dorsett, if at all? 
They also signed safety Rayshon Jenkins. He's 28 years old, got a four-year, $35 million contract, $16 million guaranteed. Good for Rayshon Jenkins. And finally, the Jaguars added Shaquille Griffin, uh, brother of Shaquem Griffin, the guy without, you know, he's got a hand uh, missing. Uh, really, uh, Shaquem Griffin's awesome. Shaquille Griffin's the older brother. He's 25 years old. He's from Florida. Grew up outside of Tampa. Played at UCF in Orlando, right down the road, like an hour and 20 minutes from Jacksonville. Good for Shaquille Griffin. He's going home, going back to Florida. I, I think the Jaguars have made some some good moves. I like what they're doing. Uh, I, I I don't know if Trevor Lawrence is the right guy for that franchise, frankly. Um, and that's weird to say, but I, I love Zach Wilson. The more I watch Zach Wilson, the more I go, hmm. I Trevor Lawrence is good. Like we and we people are so easily putting him on a pedestal for years, but Zach Wilson can do some really special stuff with a football and with his body and running around. And I I don't know. He's got some swagger, got some confidence. Jacksonville's got a lot of pieces there. They got to get the quarterback right. And uh, I don't know, man. I, I like what Jacksonville's doing, but I am curious what quarterback they end up picking. The 49ers uh, and left tackle Trent Williams came to an agreement, a six-year, $138 million contract extension. That's uh, $30.1 million uh, just for the signing bonus alone. Now, he's 32 years old. What's, you know, 32 plus six you're not, he's not going to play in the NFL until he's 38 years old, or especially not making 20 or you know more million dollars a year. So there is no, there's absolutely zero chance that Trent Williams will reach the end of this contract. But what it does do for San Francisco is right now it gives them a uh, good contract short term. They got a left tackle. They can cut him if they want to at any, pretty much down the road. Uh, but for the next two, three years, they got a good left tackle. They don't need to worry about it. And pretty much... They control Trent Williams as long as they as long as he plays well. As long as Trent Williams can do good stuff on the field and they need him, they got him. And I he'll likely retire a 49er. He might, you know, get cut and go somewhere else for cheaper. Like maybe he's 35, got one year left, and like, ah, well, the Jets are like, ah, oh, we'll take him. Like, we'll give him two million dollars to do something. But by that point, you made your money and your body's shot. I don't I think it's very possible we see Trent Williams retire a San Francisco 49er. Keep your eye on that. It'll be interesting. But again, I want to make a prediction. There, and it's not a very controversial one. There is no chance that Trent Williams plays his entire six-year contract extension out. They're not going to pay him $25 million when he's or more, however much money it is, when he's 38 years old. It's not going to happen. Now, the Jets signed wide receiver Corey Davis. He's a former first-round pick, 26 years old, got a three-year, $37.5 million deal. $27 million guaranteed. And I believe that's the first two years guaranteed. After that, it's all up in the air. Um, it's a bit of a reach. Again, he's a former first-round pick. He's very, very talented out of Western Michigan. He never hit. Like, he went to uh, the Tennessee Titans, fifth overall, and, and just never quite figured it out. Now, part of that might be the offensive coordinator was not great. Uh, he did get overshadowed by A.J. Brown. But I, I got to say, I love, love... Love the Jets offensive coordinator, Mike LaFleur. He's the brother of Matt LaFleur, the Packers head coach. He coached under Kyle Shanahan a lot. So he's got a great, tremendous background with a lot of football knowledge. And I would imagine if anybody can get the most out of Corey Davis, it's somebody like Matt, uh, Mike LaFleur, either Shanahan, Sean McVay, Matt LaFleur, or Mike LaFleur. They're all guys who are really, really good at 
getting the most out of their players. I'm excited. I think Corey Davis has a chance to finally live up to the potential he had coming into the NFL. I was never that impressed with any of the Tennessee offensive coordinators. So uh, we'll see what they do, what the, the Jets do with Corey Davis. And the Jets really, really badly have needed receiver talent. So it's not a terrible move for them. They certainly needed to make some kind of roll of the dice and try to make something happen because whoever their quarterback is going to be has very bare bones uh, with has a very bare bones receiving core to work with. Now, I am curious if the Jets continue to make a move for a guy like Kenny Galladay. They need more than just Corey Davis, but for now, nice move. Uh, it's not my favorite move. It's definitely a risky stretch, and you're like hoping we can get the potential out of him, but. We'll see. It's it's interesting, and I'm I'm glad the Jets did something because their receiving core has been a problem for a long, long time. Finally, they at least are trying and have some hope that maybe this guy could bring some rejuvenation into the wide receiver room. Uh, quarterback Jameis Winston signed a one-year $12 million contract extension with New Orleans. I expect both Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill are going to get reps at quarterback next year for the Saints. Um, they like using Taysom Hill all over the field, receiver, running back, quarterback, whatever, special teams even. So I, 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 first of all, I expect Jameis to get some snaps because simply they're going to want to put Taysom at receiver sometimes. But also, if Jameis was just a backup, why did they give him $12 million? That doesn't seem like backup quarterback money to me, so... I therefore expect Jameis and Taysom Hill to both get snaps next year at quarterback for the Saints. By the way, another quarterback, the Miami Dolphins gave quarterback Jacoby Brissett a one-year $5 million uh, deal, at least $5 million guaranteed. It's up to $7.5 million total with incentives, but they brought in Jacoby Brissett, a veteran quarterback, a guy from uh, New England, then the Colts. He actually has been around Brian Flores a lot in New England years ago. It's likely he's going there to mentor second-year quarterback Tua Tungavaloa. But I, I love this move for Miami because they got a solid backup at minimum who if Tua is bad or Tua struggles or gets hurt, Jacoby Brissett can come in and play very solid, good football. Like Not great, not outstanding, but good and decent football. And so... You're a team with a good defense anyway. That's your strength. You just need a guy who isn't going to screw up really badly. It's possible that, I don't know. I, I keep your eye on Jacoby Brissett. If Tua struggles at all and they're trying to win now, Jacoby Brissett might be the Dolphins quarterback next year. I, I got to watch film on Tua. I can't tell you what. I, I haven't looked at the film yet. I watched him play, but I don't trust it. It's too, too long ago. So we'll watch film on Tua. But right now, there's at least a possibility Jacoby Brissett plays quarterback a lot for Miami next year. Now let's end in Arizona. Uh, number one, the Cardinals signed kicker Matt Prater to a two-year deal. It's much needed. Uh, bad kicking cost Arizona a lot last year. The Cardinals also added receiver A.J. Green, a guy from Cincinnati. He's 32 years old, got a one-year deal worth up to $8.5 million, $6 million guaranteed. It's pretty cool. You look at, they got a lot of Pro Bowl or former Pro Bowl receivers. They got they got DeAndre Hopkins, maybe Larry Fitzgerald if he plays, uh, A.J. Green. I mean, the receiving room in Arizona is ridiculous. A.J. Green, DeAndre Hopkins, Christian Kirk, maybe Larry Fitzgerald if he doesn't retire, uh, Andy Isabella, 
and tight end Dan Arnold. It's wild. They're like, wow, they have receiving threats galore in Arizona. The Cardinals also made a gigantic move. They traded for the Raiders center, Rodney Hudson. It's a big deal. I mean, part of I, the thing I didn't cover enough in my predictions versus reality for Arizona was how bad their offensive line was. I felt bad. It's an omission I just left out by accident. Um, the Cardinals offensive line really struggled last year. And this is going to really help them get better on the offensive line. And it feels like every move they've made this offseason, their team got better and better and added another player and another player. And yeah, there's a lot of veterans. They're old, but they can play. And so, I mean, the Cardinals seem to get better. And they were already a team I liked to some degree. Uh, now, a lot of people are very easy to blame some of their losses on kicking and this and that. Here's my thing. I, I think that Coach Cliff Kingsbury can win. Can. Not will, but can. And if he doesn't, if, if the Arizona Cardinals are not a good football team next year, winning a lot of games, he's going to lose his job. Because the Cardinals roster is simply too good to not win a lot of football games. All right, let's shift gears. My favorite part of the show. It's time for Ask Zach. Uh, in case you don't know how it works, you go to patreon.com forward slash Zach Schaumler. You give a dollar a month. You can give more if you want to. Please do. It literally helps pay my rent, pays for my ugly dad shirts. Um, but if you submit a question, I do not guarantee to read your question on the show. My only guarantee is to look at every single question with my eyeballs. I pick the top couple, read them on the show. Uh, and you can send in a question, a comment, concern, Thoughts, ideas, critiques, whatever you want. I'll take anything. I like reading what you guys have to say on the show. It's very fun for me. The first question of the day comes from William. William says, will you be watching March Madness? Maybe making a bracket or two? Football is by far my favorite sport to watch, but there is no event in any other sport quite like March Madness. So many crazy storylines and upsets and unpredictability. I might watch March Madness a little bit. It is very unpredictable. That's actually part of why I don't like it. <laughs> it's like, it feels like just a lot of weird gambling and it's very, like, I don't fill out a bracket. I don't care. I don't know how you could fill out an accurate bracket and that drives me nuts. Like, people are like, oh, I picked, and they pick all based on emotion or some random thing. I knew a guy who went to Coastal Carolina one time and so I picked that team to win against this team. It's like, I hate that stuff a lot. I'm not that kind of guy. It drives me nuts. Uh, so... Because I'm not a huge college basketball fan anyway, and I don't like the bracket thing, it's really not a big draw to me. But I will say, I'm really curious whether or not Gonzaga can go undefeated. They're my local team. I live in Washington. Uh, I've been to the Gonzaga campus quite a bit. And I really like the Gonzaga head coach, Mark Few, as I put on. If you're watching on video, I just put on uh, the uh, lip balm. Really helpful. Uh, I like Gonzaga. I, I wouldn't mind if Gonzaga did win. The whole thing, it'd be fun, it'd be interesting. I'll probably have my dad over to watch a game or two. But I'm really not, I just don't care about March Madness. I don't care about college basketball much at all. So that's that's my answer. Carter writes in, he says, he or she, maybe it's a she. Hey, Zach's eyeballs. I'm just curious what quarterback analysis videos you're working on or planning on doing and considering doing. Also, I don't know if you can put up a poll on Patreon or if you could just do it on YouTube. But if you're considering three or four quarterbacks and perhaps give us a poll so we can choose the one or two from the list. This could improve your YouTube engagement and also allow the fans to get more, even more interaction with you in general, as well as the content they want. And for you, it allows you to have control of these four guys I want to do. So if we aren't really running, so we aren't really running the show. 
Uh, I like this thought. I, I like the thought of doing a poll. I'll probably give you my top four after the draft. Uh, after the NFL draft, we enter film season. It's not the off season. It's film season. It's time to dive in, watch a lot of film, uh, do do breakdowns, do film analysis videos. Here's the list I have so far of guys I want to do this off season. And by the way, I'm getting way better at film analysis videos. I can turn them out a lot faster. Uh, it turns the wrong word there, but I'm getting better at that process. It's like my third year making film analysis videos. And you just, the more you do it, the better you get. The guys I want to do this offseason are Matthew Stafford, Justin Herbert, Tua, Matt Ryan, Aaron Rodgers, Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, Lamar Jackson, Derek Carr, Big Ben, Ryan Tannehill, and Cam Newton. I'm open for more, but that's, a, that's 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. That's 12 quarterbacks. That's even if one a week, I take three months. And so uh, it's a very lofty goal to get through all of those. I, I want to probably, that's not an order. I probably would do Cam Newton earlier. Matthew Stafford, Justin Herbert, Tua, Cam Newton, Baker, Kyler, Aaron Rodgers. Those are all probably near the top. Maybe a big Ben would be interesting too to show Steelers fans why I think they're wrong about their quarterback. But may, hey, maybe I watch the film with big Ben and go, you know what? He can still, like, it's, I have an open mind every time. So those are the quarterbacks on my radar uh, and a realistic list of, one, I guess, 12 quarterbacks that I think would be interesting to do a film analysis video on during this offseason. Jeffrey writes in and says, Hey, Zach, this isn't really a question, but a place for me to vent about the Aaron Jones contract. As a Packer fan, I absolutely hate it. Oh, wow. There were so many key needs for them this offseason, including cornerback, inside linebacker, offensive line, a wide receiver. And with this signing, we pretty much have to draft all those positions now because Lindsley's... Lins Lindsay Lindsley is now on the Chargers. Oh, got it. Lindsley. <laughs> I'm stupid. Now, not even to mention the fact that, as you've said in the past, running back production can easily be replaced by, and the Packers literally used a second round pick last year on AJ Dillon. Would have loved to see them bank on him and get Jamal Williams back for cheap, re-sign Lindsley, and draft either a corner or a receiver in the first round. I assume you'll be covering it tomorrow anyway, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on it because obviously I'm a little heated about it. Hope all is well. Keep up the great content. So here's the contract that Aaron Jones got. It's a four-year deal, $48 million, uh, $13 million signing bonus. I know you don't like this move, but it's he's like $4.5 million against the salary cap next year. Actually, they saved a lot of money. And Green Bay can very easily cut him. They got, after the 2022 NFL season, they can just get rid of him. So it's really just a two-year deal. Uh, Green Bay is in win-now mode where they want every player they can possibly have that helps them win a championship. They're like, Aaron Rodgers is aging. We have a good team now. We're, we're really close. We want to get over the hump. It makes sense to try to keep Aaron Jones if you're trying to win a Super Bowl. You're like, we're going all in. We're, we're spending money. We don't care. And so honestly, this deal is fine to me. He's not going to make it to year three. I know you're upset, but it's pretty cheap production for an oak, I just I think it's actually worth it. If you're a team that thinks you can win a Super Bowl, you pay people to try to win a Super Bowl rather than rolling a dice with a guy who may or may not be effective from the NFL draft. And and frankly, uh, it's he's not going to be that, that four years, forty eight million is never going to get paid to him. He's never going to make forty eight million dollars from this contract. How many most NFL players don't make the end of their contract? They get cut early. Teams do not care about paying their players. They want to pay them whatever helps is benefit beneficial to them when they pay you only when it's convenient. And uh, 
I just I think Green Bay paid him now because they want to have him for two more years and they'll cut him immediately after the 2022 NFL season. Uh, Alone writes in, says, hey, Zach. It was my birthday yesterday. Oh, happy birthday. I hope you did well. My birthday was on the 16th. I turned 24. I don't know how old you turned, but congratulations. And the day constantly left me thinking what I actually want to do with my life and where I want to go as a person. So that's why I wanted to ask you, how did you know that starting a podcast was and would be the right path for you? Congratulations on the wonderful news recently. I can't think of many more deserving. Much love. Got engaged. Really excited about that. Uh, So I started podcasting, I guess really when I started podcasting, it was not my life plan. I didn't make a podcast going... That's that's not true. I started a, a different podcast. I called it What's Up Sham way before I did Strong Opinion Sports. I used to make content that was like awful in a basement. And I did that for two and a half years. I'm like, okay, I, let me refine my idea. I can make a better show. I cut that show completely and started Strong Opinion Sports. I'm like, this is my my plan. But five years ago, wait, so I started Strong Opinion Sports like three and a half years ago. But when I first started making content like five years ago, I just wanted to make content. It wasn't my life plan. It wasn't my career path. It wasn't anything. And even when I did Strong Abandoned Sports early on, like I thought I could turn it into something, but I would do it for free. And I did do it for free for years because I love it. And so um, I felt this need to create stuff. I just love what I do. And I, I, I didn't really look at it as this is what I'm going to do with my life. I just knew this is what I want to do and I have to do right now. I have to make content. And I, I just feel so compelled and driven. Like I'm, I'm doing a movie podcast and I've recorded a couple episodes for it. It's going very well. Uh, I'm working on video game videos because I'm a nerd. I effing love that stuff. And so uh, I just, it pours out of me. I feel a need to create. And uh, I, I wish I could tell you, like, I, I just, there was this moment where I knew it's my plan, but it, it wasn't. I, I made content because it's what I, what my heart said to do. It, it just was like, coming out. I'm like, I have to make content. I have to talk about this stuff. I have to talk about Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers. And Cor- I just, it was pouring out of me and I just had to share it. And I kept writing notes and I had full notebooks full and I'm like, I got to record this stuff. And, um, so I, I knew that, uh, I knew right when I started playing college football, actually a second time, I, I was getting a lot of traction with my podcast and went, Hmm, this could be my life plan. And I actually left my college football team and just became a full-time podcast host and creator. That's when I knew this could be my life plan. And it, it is my life plan. It's my career. I really, uh, I will make content until people literally say you can't do it anymore. I, I, I love doing it so much. Even if, if something financially happened and I fell apart, I, I would still do it for free. I, I'll work at Jimmy John's and make content because that's what I do now. It's, I love, love making content. And no matter what happens in my life, I will always make content because that's, it's who I am and it's what I do. Randy writes in says, when you do videos like your film analysis videos, how do you put clips of NFL games in your videos uh, with you seamlessly narrating over them? Is it a special program you use? Uh, I actually edit an iMovie. Now, I, for a long time, I hated that. I felt, I felt unprofessional and I was working on movie sets and I was working uh, for big sports networks. I'm like, I, I was embarrassed. I'm like, oh, iMovie is what I use. And so I, I got Final Cut Pro. I learned how to use Final Cut Pro. I paid a lot of money for it. And frankly, I didn't need Final Cut Pro. And I, I just was like, why is my ego involved? Like, who cares? I, I'm overcomplicating my creative process. And I just started using iMovie again because it was simpler. Did the job. It's good enough. And so, uh, yeah, use iMovie. It's literally free if you have an Apple computer. 
It's more than capable. I, I'm recording with GarageBand right now. Again, I messed with other stuff. And I'm like, why not just use the free program that's phenomenal and does great? I think my audio sounds pretty good. That's iMovie. That's, that's iMovie and GarageBand. They're totally free. So, I, I yeah, I, I record my audio separately from my video, uh, and then I sync them later. But it's – you don't need a lot, man. Use – if you have an Apple computer, which I really – do not use PCs. They're they're a pain in the butt. Uh, they're they're expensive now because of cryptocurrency anyway. But get an Apple computer. Uh, it's more expensive for what the processing power you're getting, but the creative tools are so much better. Get an Apple computer. Uh, my first computer was a Mac Mini, six hundred dollars, which is not cheap, but it was a lot cheaper than everything else in the market. Got a six hundred dollar Mac Mini. I got a fifty dollar monitor, and started making content on. GarageBand and iMovie, I recommend that. That's that's what I did, and that's that's how I am now. Here I am, and I uh, I just realized I, I, there's no need to pointlessly overcomplicate your life. Use simple tools that work well, and that's all you need. Caleb wrote in. He said, hey, Zach, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on the below comparisons for the quarterbacks in this year's NFL draft and what yours are. It's obviously not saying that these players will necessarily reach their potential and all become longtime franchise quarterbacks, but I think it's fun to talk about their similarities. Here are some of mine. He says Zach Wilson is similar to Josh Allen. Mac Jones is similar to Matt Ryan. Trevor Lawrence is similar to Andrew Luck. Trey Lance is similar to, uh, he says, I haven't watched Trey Lance. I haven't watched enough of Trey Lance yet, but I'd love to hear your thoughts. And then he says, uh, I compare Justin Fields to Dak Prescott. Uh, I like Mac Jones and Matt Ryan. I think that's phenomenal. They they look the same even. They both played for Steve Sarkeesian. It's pretty, yeah, he is, you know, Mac Jones is a younger version of Matt Ryan. Basically, it's like they're the same skill set. It's very oddly similar how much they look alike, actually. Uh, like their, their way they move, the way they throw the ball, yada, yada. Uh, I like Justin Fields and Dak Prescott. They also feels like a very comparable uh, comparison to me. I, I think that's very accurate, actually. Now, I disagree with you on Zach Wilson and Josh Allen. I would compare... Uh, I think Zach Wilson really translates to like a hybrid between Aaron Rodgers and Kyler Murray, where he's shorter but and really mobile around the pocket. I think he's Aaron Rodgers, right? He's the, the talent and the ease with which he throws the football and is pinpoint accurate downfield, back shoulder throws, and can make throws from any arm angle. Like, Zach Wilson reminds me of Aaron Rodgers a lot, and he's very, very underrated, criminally underrated. So uh, I think Zach Wilson, I Andrew Luck was way, way better than Trevor Lawrence's. I, I don't really, I'm concerned Trevor Lawrence is overhyped, actually. I mean, I Trevor Lawrence is very, very good. Andrew Luck, I watched his film the other day. Andrew Luck's unbelievable. It's crazy how good he is. It's still like, when he was at Stanford, making throws into the tiniest little windows. You're like, oh my goodness, that's a that's an unbelievable throw. In the Pac-12, you're like, what? Okay. He's the most NFL-ready quarterback I've ever seen in my entire life. Aaron Rodgers, sorry, Andrew Luck is unbelievable. Andrew Luck, the most NFL-ready quarterback I've ever seen play in college football by a lot, way more than Trevor Lawrence. And then I, I think that um, I would compare Trey Lance to... Josh Allen, actually. If anybody compares to Josh Allen, it's Trey Lance, a guy who is super raw, very talented, played a lower, uh, lower talent uh, level in the in college football, but has a very high ceiling. Trey Lance, 
and Josh Allen were two guys who you knew in, in the NFL draft are like, hmm, they're unpolished. They got problems. But if they can figure stuff out, they're going to be unbelievable. So I would compare Trey Lance to Josh Allen. Allie writes in, says, hi, Zach. Hope you're doing well. I love the NFL. I'm an Arizona Cardinals fan, and I'm wondering your thoughts on something. Seems that whenever the media asks Kyler Murray if he still wants to play baseball, he never shuts it down. Sounds like he likes the idea. Think the Cardinals front office should be worried about this. I also have a fun fact for you. Did you know that sharks have existed on Earth longer than trees? Mind-blowing, isn't it? So, yeah, uh, sharks, I've heard that before. They've been around longer than trees, which I think you can carbon date. You're like, well, fossils of sharks are older than the oldest trees carbon dating. So it's, it's just kind of horrifying. You're like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Sharks? Well, I, I mean, kind of, was it all water? I, I have so many questions, but I wish I could, like, time travel. I would kill for that. Um, and I, I encourage you, Allie, look up, look up Mars water crust. Like, the, the Mars water apparently disappeared into the crust and into minerals rather than evaporating into the atmosphere. Never would have thought that. Look it up. It's really interesting. I read an article about it last night. Uh, baseball. I'm, I'm sure Kyler would actually love to play baseball. It's low stress. It's fun. Uh, I, I, for all we know, he might just mean like, I want to play softball. Because I, does that not sound fun? Playing softball with your friends? Like I, COVID ruined all that, but I, I would play in a softball league right now. In fact, I, I'm planning to move to Florida. Just decided that a couple days ago. If I can, I'm, I'm going to play flag football and softball in Florida. and be like, I'm, it's sunny year round. I'm having fun. I'm going to do, I'm going to make this happen. Um, so I don't know, just because Kyler is, thinks baseball sounds fun, which I'm sure he does because he loves baseball, doesn't mean he's going to quit his career and go play another sport. Kyler can make way more money playing football than baseball. He's very good at football. I think he likes it. Uh, But I'm sure he also romanticizes the idea of baseball a little bit because it's probably less pressure. It's probably a lot of fun. So I... I wouldn't be worried, but I'm sure if you ask Kyler, like if you're a Kyler's close friend, you're like, hey, Kyler, would you want to play baseball? He's like, yeah, I would. Baseball's fun because it is fun. So I, I don't know. I'm not worried, but I, I'm sure it's somewhat accurate that Kyler wouldn't mind playing baseball as well. It's not feasibly possible for him. He can't play quarterback in baseball. It's just that you can't do that, but I'm sure he wouldn't mind making that happen if it was possible. Hunter writes in, says, hey, Zach, I listen to your show every day. I go to college and I love your show. So this is my question. Last year, I predicted Jordan Love going to the Saints. And the Saints had the opportunity to draft him, but didn't. Do you think they could regret that moving forward? Hunter, the, the Saints... So I I heard... I read this question and went, man, it's a great question. And I thought about it. And the more I thought about it, you know what? Here's a problem. The Saints last year were trying to make a Super Bowl push. They were doing everything they could to win a Super Bowl last year. Jordan Love would have been great for the future of New Orleans. But what Jordan Love would not have done last year was help them pursue a Super Bowl. Jordan Love could not contribute to their Super Bowl run at all. They drafted an offensive lineman in the first round, Cesar Ruiz, uh, a starting offensive lineman who did contribute. They fell short of winning a Super Bowl, but hindsight 2020, you can't regret making sacrifices, doing everything you can to try to win a Super Bowl. They did that. Cesar Ruiz... Uh, was a part of that. And so the Saints cannot regret their draft pick because they drafted what was right for them going all in on trying to win a Super Bowl in 2020. And I uh, 
I, I think it was the right move, actually. It's, it's weird to say that. I wish they, I, I wish the Saints had uh, Jordan Love. It'd be awesome. But based on what they knew at the time and based on their goal of winning a Super Bowl last year, one more run with Drew Brees. I mean, they, they did everything they could. They got Drew Brees an offensive lineman. It worked out, uh, I think, for what their goal was, which their goal was not to get a long-term quarterback. Their goal was to win a Super Bowl last year. They did the right thing. Final question comes from Justin. He says, been watching any NBA? Here's my recent NBA thought. Uh, I saw a meme uh, comparing James Harden to Kobe Bryant at 31 years old. And it really showed James Harden's lack of focus. And uh, showed, you know, James is rich and happy and having fun. So my recent NBA thought is that James Harden is the modern day Charles Barkley. Charles Barkley never won a championship, had fun, hung out, was the fun uncle guy, the guy who partied hard and played hard. Uh, And that's exactly what James Harden is. He's super talented, loves nightclubs, loves to party. And because of his lack of focus and the fact that he really loves to enjoy being rich and famous, he's never going to win a championship. Compare the drive of Kobe or LeBron to James Harden. James Harden likes putting up a lot of points and being the center of attention. I don't think James Harden is like hyper-focused on winning a championship. We'll, we'll find out. The Nets are pretty good. They're number two in the East right now. Um, but I, 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 the, most, the most exciting and fascinating story in the entire NBA to me is the Brooklyn Nets. Can they actually win a championship? I don't think so. I, I strongly do not believe they can. But that's, that's the one, if there's one thing to pay attention to in the NBA, the Lakers are fun, there's some fun stuff going on, but I, can Brooklyn, in the end, win a championship? I don't think so, um, but I, I would be happy to be proven wrong. Guys, my name is Zach Schaumler. Thank you so very much for tuning in. I love you. I appreciate you. Hope you have a great day. I uh, got a pretty cool interview coming out for the very next episode. You'll see it shortly. Love you. Appreciate you. Bam, we are